Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The FIA World Endurance Championship on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everybody and it's a warm welcome in every sense of that phrase to Lausanne and to the Lausanne International Circuit, the venue for the first round of the FIA World Endurance Championship. It is the 1,812 kilometres of Qatar that comes up next weekend and we'll have our usual full live, free and uninterrupted coverage globally from uh, FP3 qualifying and the Hall of the Race. Prologue weekend, and if you've been following along, you'll know that Prologue's been delayed until Monday and Tuesday, but that doesn't stop us hanging out in the paddock and seeing who we can see. There's a really relaxed atmosphere here, of course, with uh, nothing going out on track. So that means there's an opportunity to have a wander around. The circuit's been uh, thoroughly redeveloped recently, so there's sort of bungalows behind... Actually, they're maisonettes, aren't they? Because it's up up and downstairs. Uh, Behind the pits themselves, which is where some of the drivers are hanging out. So if I wander in here it just so happens that in this far corner i see some at least two-thirds of the heart of racing driver talent let me wander over here it's much cooler in here uh it feels like you must feel like i'm stalking you alex alex riberas uh first of all congratulations on the run at uh at bathurst uh, at the weekend very very unlucky not to get an even better result tell us a little bit about that first of all for why were you down there why were you doing that race yeah well um first of all th- that is correct i i do feel a little bit stalked because i i do see you way more than than i see my family <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's yeah that's always a good sign um especially seeing you uh down under is definitely a good sign um i was very very surprised by the by the event by bathurst um, my expectations were were honestly quite high, but it surpassed them by by quite some margin. It was way better than I expected on all levels, uh, but especially the racetrack is. is I was telling Ian uh, the other day that that racetrack is almost like a drug. Yes. Because it's so scary, but it's so powerful at the same time. And satisfying. And satisfying when yeah. you get it right. Yeah. And when you're so close to the to the walls, and you start to find your yourself in that groove where you start to feel confident, and then we were on the flight back to the U.S. and I was like, I already miss it. I, that usually just doesn't happen, you know. Like I I want to go back right now. Yeah, we're gonna race there um, ten times, and you would just say yes, 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 and yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. If you <laughs> if we did uh, like a championship where that was the only track we raced in for the whole year, I would absolutely commit to that to that series it's, it's a phenomenal track it it was it was honestly a phenomenal phenomenal experience all around uh definitely uh, a shame as you said about the ending but uh, nevertheless uh very very happy of what we achieved and what we what we were able to survive in the most chaotic and wild circumstances I've ever experienced. It was, uh, I mean, literally a late race penalty, for those of you, uh, spoiler alert, but um, late race penalty took the guys out of the contention for the win, which were, they were absolutely in contention for the win in the in the pro um, category, and it would have it deprived us of a really interesting finish. 
uh, as well, which I'm a bit disappointed, a uh, bit disappointed about. Uh, it was Mika Salo, Alex, that said to me, I think on the first or the second time I went down there, so that would have been 12 years or so ago, and I said to him, so bit like the Nürburgring, he went, oh, no, it's much more scary than the Nürburgring. I said, why do you mean? He said, because the really frightening bit comes around every two minutes, not every eight minutes, which I thought <laughs> was really quite, quite a good way of, of describing So will you go back then? I mean, you, you said that was a, a box ticked. I heard you say in an interview, uh, it was either you or Ian, I think, in, in one of the interviews down there on the TV coverage, a box ticked, but doesn't necessarily mean that you've put that box to one side. Will you go back? Well, to be honest, that is not... 100% on my hands that this is a question for Ian that I in, like especially encourage you to ask him over and over again <laughs> as much as you feel like asking him please feel free because I was I was quite I'm gonna be honest with you when we were doing the track walk that place is so intimidating mm-hmm. that I felt look let's survive this one yes. let's take it off the box and then we can say we did Bathurst and that was honestly my, my feeling going into the weekend. And then on Monday, we were like, no, I just, I, we want to oh, go yeah, back yeah. a thousand percent. It's so addictive. Well, if I'd said to you at that track to town on the Thursday, you're going to come away with second in class and be a contender all the day, you guys would have said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I said in the commentary towards the end of the race, I've got a feeling you guys are going to be slightly disappointed by, by what happened. Yeah, exactly. That's, it. That's uh, the precise same feeling we had at the end of the race where... You know, if we had to sign a podium before the the free practice started, we would have signed right away without a doubt, without a doubt. Three rookies as well. Three rookies at that track. Yeah, exactly. We had zero expectations. I mean, we, yeah, as you said, also when when you have one rookie in the car, Mm -hmm. you prioritize him on the track time during free practice, right? Because the other two probably know the track. That, as they did with the 9-1-2 with Guben. It was his first time there, so he did most of the, of the free practice. When you have three rookies, it makes the rookie experience a lot harder. Yes, correct. Um, we were really lucky that we didn't have many red flags during free practice. That played in yes. our favor. Um, but I, I felt very, very proud of, of, of the whole team and of Ian and Ross for, for making it through the whole race without any... Yeah. any contact the car was literally untouched yeah. no no scr- no scratches no we didn't touch the wall at all and um, as you said for me the biggest difference between the Nürburgring and and Bathurst is that the Nürburgring is the green hell yeah because you have grass next yeah. to the white line right and then the wall yeah. In Bathurst, there is no grass. Just the There's just the wall. <laughs> <laughs> the wall hell. We'll exactly. have to, all right, I'm going to go on over and just speak to Ian. Um, because I've obviously I've got, before we even talk about the WEC, Ian, let me just slide this chair. There's going to be a squeaking noise here. There you go. That's just to prove that we are actually sitting indoors at the moment. All right, then, are you going back to Bathurst? Well, I am. I don't know about Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a bit. Was his performance? You've crunched the numbers now, and yeah. the performance was a bit disappointing, was it? Yeah, two of us will definitely be going back. No. <laughs> no. Tell me about your experience before we talk about uh, the WEC for the season and, and, and this weekend in particular. Um, you guys, I just every time I saw you, you just seemed to be to, to be smiling. It's not often when you've been in the game as long as all of us have, that you get to go to a new track. And for you guys, it's two new tracks in, in two weekends. What was the Bathurst experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean, it was, it was really quite intimidating at first. Um, the, the track is just monumentous. I mean, it, it's, it's one of those tracks that if you've never raced on, you can't really uh, explain how breathtaking it is and how challenging it is. 
Um, but just the whole experience, the organizers, um, the people uh, made us super welcome. Uh, it was just a really enjoyable experience all around. Let's move on to the, the, the point of why we're all here, which is at the start of the 2024 FIA World Endurance Championship season. Uh, your, as Heart of Racing, your first season as a named team, but of course you took over uh, the, uh, the entry last year. Uh, a new challenge because it's GT3 cars, but what do you think you learned as a, as a squad, as a team last year that you can take forward into 2024? Obviously, WEC operationally is a lot different from what we're used to in IMSA and SRO competition. Um, so the way everything works, the flow of the weekend, the flow of the races uh, is markedly different. So last year, although we didn't get to do a full year, we got to experience that. You know, the big race at Le Mans, the sprint races, well, they're not quite sprint races, but the shorter races. Um, so we learned a lot in that. So I think, you know, it's not like we're turning up and, and, and it's all new to us. It's new tracks, but it's not, it's, it's not uh, everything's not fresh. Uh, and a new version of the Vantage, the, the road car, uh, was revealed to the world after, actually, we raced it in IMSA, which was quite a, quite a cool thing. I can't believe how many people didn't realise that that was the new car at IMSA, by the way, which was very good. Tell, tell us about, um, in, in terms of how it works as a driver and how it works as a team, what differences the, this, uh, this new version of the Vantage has made to you guys. Well, first of all, I think the new Vantage, you know, the road car is a stunning car and that's, you know, carried over into the race car. Um, there was definitely some areas we wanted to work on on, on the previous version of the car, um, which I think, you know, Pro Drive and Aston Martin Racing have uh, addressed. Um, in terms of a driver experience, you know, it, it is a different feeling car. Uh, it may not necessarily be miles faster, but it's a more comfortable car to drive. Mm. Um, and hopefully it looks off the tyre a little better braking a little bit better, air a little bit better, you know. So I think they've just tried to move it, you know, up in the in the performance box, you know, where where some of the other cars potentially were. Um, and WEC, they really do scrutinize mm. in terms of where the car is, where the performance of the car is. And like other championships, you know, cars become successful from BOP. Here, they really rely on the manufacturers to produce a car which can, can do it on their own accord, you know. So... Uh, we have no idea what the you know the different BOP for the different vehicles will be because it's kind of cryptical the way it's released. Um, <laughs> That's a good way to describe that. But, I'm stealing that. Yeah, but but my, you know my fingers are crossed that you know they've got it right and uh, we get 18 cars that can go head to head come race day. I, 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 there's a, a group of normally hardworking mechanics and engineers over to our right who are all catching up on the football results or, or whatever at the moment because we're not out on that. It's like looking at a bunch of surly teenagers all on the phone, to be honest. Maybe I should ask them this question, but with your, with your, your team hat on, um, you talked about BOP there, um, and I don't want to get into the, the machinations of that, but the way that the FIA World Engineering Champion does it uh, with GT3 and with the uh, hypercars... It, is very particular and it's very data driven and that means things like torque sensors on the drive shafts and things like that which generally speaking in gt3 cars around the world haven't had to deal with before so is that something that you guys are having to get your head around as well or maybe i should be asking as i say are these guys on, on our own well yeah i mean it's something i've been pushing for you know for the last couple of years because i think it, it levels the 
the playing field across mm. the different manufacturers. Uh, there's less stuff going on behind the scenes, mm. um, but you know it's a it's a different element for the race teams. They have, you know the maintenance of the of the torque sensors is an, is something else they have to consider. Um, but I think generally it's the way we've got to go um, to to give everybody a fair crack at the whip, as it were. Mm. I'll, I'll I'll come back to you in a second for a final chat. I'm going to move over here if I were... Oh, right, OK, which way are you going? <laughs> right, so you're the third member of this team. Tell me about uh, how you're feeling. Brand new circuit, so everybody's starting from zero here. Yeah, uh, I feel very happy and confident to start the season, mm-hmm. WEC 24 season, with my mates Ina and, uh, and Alex, which I know from uh, last year and mm-hmm. also previous years. And um, here is new the racetrack for uh, all of us. Uh, I had a chance to discover the track on the simulator, and uh, looks good. It looks nice, and uh, we will see on the prog uh, if it will be the real life also. How easy or difficult was it for you to even get a sense of the track? I've got to say, I've had a look at quite a lot of onboards so that I can identify the corners there's an awful lot of this track that hasn't got a, a lot of identifying features and it all looks the same to me yes true uh it was a little bit uh, tricky to learn the track because uh, many corners are, this, are similar so at the first laps i was a little bit uh <laughs> unoriented it but mm. uh then gets better and better and uh so uh, now it's much more clear i do think it will be fun how much time have you had in the new car uh did a uh, couple of these test days last year, uh, just when uh, the, the beginning uh, of uh, the development of the car. So, and uh, well, I had a great feeling, and uh, but I cannot compare with the previous uh, no. because I never driven the, the old one. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, do you think, from what you've seen on the simulator, and bear in mind, dear listener, that nobody's turned a wheel? So we're rather shining a light into the darkness here. Do you think this is a track that will, will suit the, the Vantage? Uh, I think it uh, can be, yes. And uh, and also we all fit the new tyres, Goodyear tyres. So that is another uh, new things that we all, manufacturers and teams, have to to try. And uh, we'll see how uh, we'll be after the plug. Were you, were you given tyres to test um, before... Uh, on the car, or is this going to be the first opportunity to have the new Goodyear uh, tyres on the on the new Vantage? Uh, for me, it will be personally the first time oh, we'll wow. drive the Goodyear tyres, and uh, so don't know yet uh, about the feeling. It's a lot of unknowns at the moment. A lot of unknowns. I'll go back to Alex. I'm, I'm doing. I'm having to work hard here. Moving. Well, this is. I've done more steps here than I know. I just sit in a nice commentary box and let you guys drive round and round in circles. Really good point brought up there. Um, GT3s around the world run on a variety of, of different tyres. You guys have run on most of them, to be honest, because you've done Creventic, which is Hankook, uh, Michelin in, in IMSA. You've got to add uh, Pirelli's uh, when you've raced in, in SRO competition. You've now got to add Goodyear uh, to this. What's, what sort of uh, programme do you have to embark on, Alex, to to get up to speed effectively and learn the characteristics of the tyres? I think something that could be very interesting for the listener is that uh, this season marks a a game changer, really, for our approach to tyres. And not, not just for us, for the Aston crew, but, but for all teams. Uh, since, um, just for, for the listeners to have an idea, 
we we do only get eight sets of tires mm. for for qualifying and for the entire ten hour race, which means uh, there's definitely uh, stages of the race where uh, tires are, are going to have to be driven more than once. Uh, definitely, a few of of those sets are going to have to be double stinted, um, which is something that we haven't really particularly done a lot in the past. This is something new, and with the brand new compound for for the paddock, a brand new manufacturer for the paddock, and these new rules, our new uh, approach to, to tire management is is going to be very very important and very also different. I, it could be the case that the viewer is going to see some cars uh, drive very quickly in the beginning of a stint, mm-hmm. only for them to fall backwards in the second stint when the tire is falling off because they didn't do a good job of being mindful uh, and being big picture oriented when, when whenever they were deciding the, the pace that they were willing to commit to. So this kind of like... Um, question mark is going to be interesting I think for come race day to see who manages that uh, particular challenge in the in the best way possible and I've, I have the feeling we we have been working hard in in the sim back in the in the workshop um, facing particularly this subject um, and I, I am quite excited to see who who does a, a good job at, at managing that I I've always been of the mind that endurance racing and you know endurance racing has changed markedly since i first started watching it it is a series in terms of reliability and the pace of the cars it's a series of sprints breaking up by broken up by fuel stops effectively but i like the fact that we are bringing back an endurance element into it where drivers who are good on fuel who can save a little bit of fuel who are good on tires who can double stint tires and get good performance in the second use of those tires are being rewarded something actually that was taken away slightly a a bathurst with the mandatory pit stop times and the mandatory uh, fuel stint uh, times uh, laps rather between fuel stints Um, with the changes to the new vantage then do you think and some of them have been made with tyre longevity in in mind do you think that puts you guys in a good spot for 2024 yeah i have the feeling that the car is not necessarily quicker on one lap pace but um the fact that the evo is a car that is or the new car is um is a car that is much easier to drive for for the m drivers or for the bronzes um it it basically uh, means that it could be the case that the car is also easier on the tires Mm. And that um, that is something that we definitely have no idea so far. Uh, but I will tell you more uh, after the race. I, I spoke to Adam Carter, actually, whilst we were at Bathurst. And he was telling me that a lot of the uh, what went into the new car was to make it easier for the bronze drivers to drive and make them feel more comfortable. Um, Ian's a very experienced bronze driver, so he just <laughs> he just gets in and gets on with it. But I've got to say, I've only ever driven a GT3 Aston once, and it wasn't in, in competition. I competed in a GT4, but never a GT3. And we were at Monte Blanco, and I actually found the old car pretty easy to get along with, so I, I was quite interested for, for them to say that. How, maybe I should ask Ian for this. I'll go, how does that manifest itself, Ian, for a... 
Well, I've swapped sides now. All right. Um, coming up on the left here. Um, how does that manifest itself in, in terms of, of making a car, quote-unquote, more comfortable, more confidence-inspiring? For You're not a typical bronze driver. I'm going to say that straight away. But if, if I was to jump into this car, how, what's, what's changed to make it easier for me after five or six laps to go, OK, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling more confident with it? I think predominantly, you know, when the rear of the car is stable, uh, that's where, you know, the pro guys really excel. They can have the rear of the car moving around a lot and being very nervous. Um, and that typically holds the, you know, less experienced or, you know, drivers back mm. when they feel like, you know, the thing's going to spin on them. So when you take the, the, the center of balance away from the, you know, the, the front a little bit um, you, and you, you make the rear more stable and you kind of drive it more off the front axle, that's a lot easier to get to the limit with, when the rear's not moving around. With the very complicated and sophisticated racing ABS on these cars, you you brake, you're hammering the brakes with a lot of brake pressure all the way up to the apex. So that hasn't changed, has it? No, the braking hasn't changed. You know, obviously with the ABS, that that's that's the easiest part. You know, to get to the limit is the braking point. Yeah. You know, you can tell somebody just go to the 150 board and hit the brakes as hard as you possibly can, and most people can master that pretty fast. Even uh, me, actually, that's true. Even me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I, I really enjoyed it without the ABS last year because it started to, you, you know, remember that technique of really having to mm. get no lock up, and and it made the racing a lot better because you know, you know, as the tire dagged or you made a little mistake or you defended, you couldn't just break at the last possible minute because you get lock up and you go straight. So we'll miss that in WEC this year, but uh, the ABS systems are, are very good on these cars. Um, let's. I said I'd give you the last word. I will. Um, Again, put your, your team management head on. You come into the 2024 season. We've, we've talked about all the things that have changed, all the things that are the, are the same. What goals do you set for Heart of Racing in the FIA World Endurance Championship? Um, Le Mans, obviously, right in the middle of it. That's, we almost talked about that as a separate entity. And you guys enjoyed yourselves at Le Mans uh, last year, had a good time. Um, but this year, it's a full season entry. So when we get to Bahrain... Where do you want to be? What, what do you want to be looking back on in terms of what's been achieved on the season? Well, you know, at Heart Racing, we, we have a very, you know, specific ethos. You know, and first and foremost, you know, we go racing to enjoy our racing. So, yeah. so, so we tick that box off uh, by just being here. Uh, and the results will come um, if they will come. But, you know, from a team side, we want to execute the best of our abilities. Uh, from a driver side, you know, we need to make as little mistakes as possible. Mm. Um, and, you know, if the, if the cards stack up, you know, we'll get some good results and we may be in, in the hunt come the end of the year in Bahrain. You are just a singleton car. So, does I mean, does that give you a, a slight disadvantage? There is another Aston in the field, but are, are you guys sharing info with D-Station? Is there, is there some back and forth? Because, obviously, there's a the pro-drive element to both. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, you know, we're, we're going to try and do, you know, both cars uh, to, to bring both cars up to a level of, of competitiveness. But, you know, trust me, even in the other even in the other teams where there's two cars, there's some individual battles going on there, you know. So uh, I think, you know, everybody is for, for themselves. All 18 cars will be trying to, to get to victory lane. Wish you all the best. Race well. And don't forget, Heart of Racing, raising a huge amount of money for a very good cause. If you want to find out more about that, go to their website. And, of course, we don't lose them from IMSA either, so we'll be talking about them quite a lot in the next few months. I haven't finished my stalking of Alex Ramirez quite, quite yet. I'm going to wander outside and see who else we can catch up on. Fantastic to, to catch up with those guys for the first part of this show. Uh, 
we're at the prologue. We're in the sunshine, at least I am in the sunshine now, here at Qatar. Well, as you can probably hear, I've made my way into the pit lane now and Danny Hunkadea is standing not next to his car, but next to, I suppose you call it, its big brother or big sister because he's admiring the lines of the Cadillac. In his race suit, um, everything we're told has arrived now. So a little bit of a false start when, in fact, it was you that told me that we were coming off the plane uh, at Qatar, which seems uh, like about a million years ago already, that things were going to be a bit slowed down. You just want to get in the car and do some driving now, I presume. It's actually pretty exciting that I know things before a journalist. <laughs> so, like, I'm very well informed. Yeah, you were uh, very well informed yeah, indeed. Yeah, um, yeah, a bit of a shocker that just have to wait a bit longer. Um, but anyway, I've been traveling the last couple of weeks uh, with Bathurst and uh, testing Dubai for WEC. So yeah, just waiting to get started. I, I mean, it's an. Um, I think I'm missing a meeting actually, to John, right now. But we're gonna finish this. Okay. Um, um, <laughs> See, the, I have to say, in Danny's defence, the timetables changed about four times just since we arrived here. All right, couple of very, couple of very very quick questions. I'm coming in two minutes. Um, for him whilst he puts it because he's very kind of doing that tell me about uh, getting to know a new team with TF Sport uh, and how the preparation has gone to this point we'll find out more on Monday when you get on the track but how do you feel you stand and the team stands at the moment yeah I mean it's very early days and unfortunately in Dubai when we were testing it was pouring down so we couldn't get many many miles in but I think the car has uh, done a couple of steps forward in terms of uh, preparation compared to Daytona. Even if it's now with a full customer team, um, there's a lot of things we can bring into from the Pratt and Miller guys. We have some of the Pratt and Miller guys here as well. So let's see. Uh, it's the early days for the Corvette, but all in all, it feels like a, a nice package. When we talk about the bow tie of Cadillac and Corvette, we never talk about um, them making up the numbers. We never talk about a learning season. So you guys have got a lot on your plate if you're going to start delivering some decent results. Yeah, and I mean, work is slightly different in a way that uh, it's, you have to see it as a pro-am championship. So I think my performance or the team performance is going to be highly influenced by the performance of our uh, amateur driver. So I take that into consideration and my focus for, for this season in WEC mainly is to try to help uh, Hiroshi get up to speed as much as possible because in the end if I can make him a second faster um, that's going to play in the benefit of everyone sure. rather than me being a couple of tenths faster or whatever so it's more of a the way I see it for this season so it's as much a mentoring role as it is a driving role yeah which is always also kind of cool like I'm used to always think about myself all in all but uh, racing has a lot of kind of different ways of competing and I think playing a mentor role or trying to help Hiroshi also Seb as a silver driver trying to get him up to speed with the car that's going to play in my favour for the overall result, so why not? Right, go on, go and do your meeting. Yeah. The helmet looked very good on the side of the number two Cadillac, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm on my way to find Laura now. In fact, I can see Laura right there. So I'm heading, target acquired here. <laughs> Head of programme. Hello, Laura. How, how's things going? Uh, things are going okay. We have a car now, which is exciting. That's always a good step when there's a race just around the corner, isn't it? Yeah, it's usually one of those required items. Yeah, uh, uh, Danny was just admiring the lines of that uh, blue and dark grey 
Cadillac and he, he had the uh, Hunkadea helmet on the side of it so he said I've got to talk to you about his contract alright <laughs> I, I, everyone seems to want to talk to me about that I'm, yeah. I'm sure they do let's let's get serious for a moment um, obviously world events there's nothing anybody can do the WSA or anybody, anybody else about it but it has put a little uh, a little wrinkle in everybody's plans does it make that much difference as this is the prologue if you will it just pushes it a little bit closer to the race but you're still going to get some laps in here yeah, I think the the bigger thing is is, is everyone feels a little rushed now, right? We mm-hmm. don't have the same lead up time, and you're going to have to make decisions quicker. You're going to have to get through that checklist quicker. Um, lunch is going to be shorter. Those kind of things. That's very important for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, it just applies some pressure, um, and we don't get that little bit of a break in between the prologue and the racing activities that we would have. But you know what? We're going to make the best of what we have. All right, let's talk about the two specific programs we've got here. Um, We've got the Corvette in non-works or works-assisted. Pratt Miller have been you know, associated with you guys for such a long time. Um, this is the first time we've seen the cars out here in the WEC. How's TF Sports, uh, how's PF Sports uh, stepping up and, and have they assimilated into the bull tie and the Corvette wear? Well, I mean, I, I know you don't have visuals here, but if you turn around and look at this beautiful garage, these mm. beautiful cars and everything they've done, I'd say that they've met all of the requirements. We are very proud of them. Uh, we, we're happy to welcome them into the Corvette family, and I can't wait to see what they do on track. How much assistance has the American program, having run this car now for a, a, a little bit, um, been able to pass on? I mean, first of all, we know that the tracks are entirely different in the US <laughs> to what we're standing up here in the beautiful, uh, recently redone facilities of, of La Salle. But is there anything that can be passed across? Of course. And part of the core of the Corvette GT3 program is making sure that anyone who has a Corvette and is racing it has the opportunity to be successful. So we're going to use whatever we have in our toolbox. The information we've gathered over the years of racing the car, the the team that's designing the car is all integrated and working with and making sure that all these teams are successful. Before I move away from GT3, I've just come back from Bathurst. Ah. And if I had a dollar for every person who said, when is Corvette coming, when is Mustang coming? Well, I can't ask you about the second one, but I can certainly ask you about the first one. The the Aussies love their big V8s. They've loved Corvette down through the years, and they love your products generally. So what, if anything, can you tell us about not necessarily specifically going to Australia, but how this programme for GT3 is going to develop uh, with potentially other customers? I think it'd be more fun to tell you what Ford's going to do and get them all... uh... No, I have no idea, frankly. Um, no, for us, I mean, we're we're getting our feet wet, right? This is our launch year. We've got eight Corvettes that are going to be running around the world. Um, so that's a lot to get up and running and to make sure that they have what they need. We do not want to place a car unless we know that that team can be successful and we can support them along the way. So we're making sure that we, you know, crawl, walk, run in that perspective. Um, but we are looking to all of the fantastic racing that GT3 and one of the coolest things about getting into GT3 is all the different places we can take the yeah. car. Yeah. Uh, and and so add to that Nürburgring 24, Spa 24, etc., etc. But presumably you'll tell me that right here right now IMSA and where we are right now in the WEC have to be a priority to make sure that the car is competitive against what is 
pretty stiff competition. Well, absolutely. And we also will be racing in SRO North America's series, uh, which is exciting for the car to go to some more tracks in our home country. Um, so we, we want to make sure that we're showing everyone how great this car is in launch year. The last thing you want is to have a car either not be successful or a team not feel like they have what they need or they run out of parts. So taking this, you know, one step at a time. Yeah, and, and that's something actually, you make a very good point there because that sort of stuff doesn't happen overnight. And, and typically with the previous iteration of the Corvette, which was the GTE or the GTLM car, they didn't go into private hands. Yes, there was a Pro-Am car in the, in, the, in the final year that it was eligible. So that sort of infrastructure, that doesn't, that doesn't happen in a day. Oh, no, not at all. In fact, um, it's funny. We had two almost separate programs happening at the same time. We were creating the race car, the GT3 race car, and then we were creating the customer support program. And in some ways, that customer support program was even bigger because we know how to design race cars. We've been doing it for years. You know, the support program was on the newer side and making sure that it was set up correctly was super important. Yeah. Um, good luck with all of that, by the way. Let's move on to the LMDH, or here it is, LMH car. How close were we to getting two cars rather than one in this championship? I, I know it was, a, it was, if not a priority, certainly high on the wish list. It's very clear that two is better than one in terms of being able to divide up the engineering workload and how you're trying to sort through, especially when we come to new tracks like here where we haven't raced before. Um, but we're going to work with what we have and then you know still find a way to be extremely efficient in what we're doing. And in some ways you can only make so many decisions so it does kind of keep you from getting off in the weeds which is good yeah that's true enough we're standing in a formula one pit lane obviously we know about the gm and cadillac um project with with andretti racing um i I won't ask you to comment on on that per se because i don't think any of us have quite got our heads around what the um (laughs) what the series said about that but let's put that to one side um does that not happening right now? Does that open doors for, for this side in terms of, let's, let's be quite blunt about it, in terms of budget? We are um, looking to see how we can constantly improve. We want to make sure that we are setting our best foot forward. We've been learning the WEC. Our very first time during a full season was with Corvette in 2022. Mm-hmm. So we're still fairly new yeah, to this true. paddock, true. and we've really appreciated how much everyone has embraced us, and we're excited to continue to grow two Corvettes here this year, yep. which is awesome. Now, tell me about the... Oh, it's gone. Oh, there it is. It's gone back in this box. Oh, dear me, I thought somebody had spirited it away. Tell me, tell me about the, the Cadillac then. Um, you, you, an engineer, what, if anything, has been honed, has been changed? What did you learn from last year, either uh, mechanically, systems-wise, that will give you a, an edge this year? I mean, we've learned... Every time we turn that car on, we learn, which I know I keep saying, but it's so true. true. Yeah. And I mean, here we are over a year in, and it's still true that we, you know, we constantly are learning. So it's just an iterative process. You know, whenever we work, we figure out how to hone something, and we just keep picking away at it and just making ourselves better and stronger. Not only the car, but the team and how the team's working together as well. In terms of the pace of the car, we saw it in uh, IMSA last year. The, the lap records were tumbling in the first year of this new formula. Did that surprise you that the, the cars came out of the, the box so quickly? All of the cars, including your competitors. I, you know, yes and no. I mean, everyone in the hypercar or the GTP class, depending on where you're racing, 
were very focused on doing the best job that we possibly could. I'd say that the group effort for getting the car up and running, working with the hybrid system, was incredible with how the OEs came together to do yeah. that. So it allowed you know that to be one part of it, and then it allowed each of us to focus on our cars individually as well. And uh, I think that it just shows you what exciting things are coming for sports car racing. We don't know where anybody is right now because the cars haven't turned away. We were supposed to be in the it right in the middle of, of, of track time at the moment. But if you had to give your best guess, or is is the the grid as, as close as we hope as spectators it will be? I mean, that's what we all hope for, right? And until we turn a lap, I'm kind of in the dark as well as you to see what's going to happen here, but very much looking forward to it. Excited to have the car to turn a lap um, and then uh, to see what, what, you know, what everyone's been up to in this very short off-season that we have. It has been ridiculously short. Uh, Laura, <laughs> thank you very much indeed for, for talking to us and uh, good luck with everything that you're overseeing this year. Thank you. Good to see you as well. Which is a lot that Laura wantrup Clauser is looking at, head of uh, sport for GM in the uh, the sports car side of things let's continue to uh, wander up the pit lane past one two three ferraris if you haven't picked that one up the ef corsa third car is robert kubica robert schwartzman and ifa yeah it's in a reverse color scheme to the uh, 51 and the 50 car so there's more yellow on it than red well there's not anybody that is there that i can speak to at the moment but we'll try and sort something out so I'll continue walking on up the pit lane. Do you know, for a moment I thought there was four GTs in the pit lane here. It's actually the silver and red uh, Vistajet-sponsored uh, Ferraris. Uh, Thomas Fleur, Frankie Castellacci, Davide Regon in the 54. And the 55 is uh, Alessio Rivera, Francois Heron and Sean Mann as well uh, in that car. Was anybody there that we... Recognize? No, not quite at the moment. So I'm going to continue my wander up. WRT, one of the cars that got, that uh, one of the teams that got their cars the latest, very busy uh, in their pit lane and their boxes at the moment as they're still in a build phase. They had absolutely nothing. That was uh, empty this time yesterday. Well, I've made my way out of the pit lane through the Toyota Gazoo Racing Garage and now in front of their. Well, I was going to call it a bungalow, but it's a little bit... Villa, it's a villa, is it, right? Call it a villa. Uh, team, team director? Team director, Toyota Gazoo Racing. Rob Lopeman, who we've spoken to very many times in the past. Uh, there have been some changes. Let's start with that, because you haven't changed, and neither has your title. But there's been one or two little detailed changes in the team. Uh, tell me a little bit about the, the thought process behind that and how that will affect or not affect what goes on in the WEC. Uh, well, it should affect that we are, of course, making a step forward with the changes we have. And doesn't mean only with us, but also with uh, the general uh, activities of Toyota on motorsport. And that's where Pascal Vazelon has moved to as uh, we say, uh, Vice President of Strategic Motorsport Development. It sounds good, but uh, the title... Big is job, isn't it? It's definitely a big job. And uh, I think Pascal is the right one to, uh, to move on there and also to... Uh, yeah start to work on the future uh, strategy of uh, Toyota Kazoo Racing and I think uh, an important one. Another big change is uh, Jose Maria Lopez has left to our GT3 team, Lexus uh, there, and he's going to race there the next couple of years and uh, we could uh, win uh, Nick de Vries to become part of the team, car of, of part of car number seven 
which we are extremely happy. Not because it's the only good driver, because he gets he gives he adds a nice color to the driver lineup. Orange, I like to say. But, <laughs> another uh, Dutchman in the team. Uh, the first Dutch driver we have, so yeah. we say uh, it's another Dutchman. But we have a lot of nationality, so it doesn't matter where you come from. You have to do the job, um, and you have to uh, we say fit in the team. And I think Nick is doing that. So from that point of view, yeah, we have uh, made some changes. There are some new faces on the mechanic side, on the engineer side, which is good. How's Pascal Vasselon's job being divided up? Is there a direct replacement for uh, Pascal with, I mean, so much experience, or has the job been uh, split up between other people? Well, it's we say it's, it's split up, but I think if you talk about a change on that level, you also talk about a change of approach. And I think David is Flori, who has stepped in the foot of Pascal as technical director, has a different approach. And uh, we say also with the people under. Pascal in, in, in the past they could uh, learn a lot from him and uh, now uh, the decision has been taken that they should take over and uh, move the team into the next generation with the next step and I think uh, besides David Flory, technical director, we see Mathieu uh, Galoche who steps up as uh, chief race uh, um, race engineer and, um, and strategy engineer uh, John Litchens uh, always been project leader since the beginning together with John Steak. so I think there with those four people we can be very, very confident uh, to move on. And, uh, yeah, young engineers have added also to the organization. And it looks good, it is good. And I think uh, yeah, it will be a very, very good year. An interesting year. A very interesting year. You guys have been here since the start. In fact, actually, if it hadn't been for the fact that you guys came in, we wouldn't have had a World Endurance Championship to, to, to start with, with uh, the way the world was at the time. And uh, I think that's... Um, something that gets lost in the mist of time a little bit but certainly as a sports car fan I was very pleased at what you came out and did um, and very brave it was as well um, you guys have had a target on your back for a long time because of the fact you've been around because of the fact you've, you've been winning um, how do you rate the competition last year it looked like it was getting closer and closer and of course you didn't win Le Mans so are you having to work that little bit harder and can you work any harder uh, you always can improve, and that's what you're looking for. Uh, I think uh, we say the race series has developed over the years into now a, a great lineup of cars, a lineup of manufacturers, and I think this is what what you like to see. And we say we have been hugely supported by uh, we say by uh, Japan or by Toyota Motor Corporation, as they see motorsport as a very important tool for uh, road car development. And we think that here we bring this technology through our colleagues in Japan. We have a lot of colleagues working here from Japan. So from that side, it's all good. And to see then that you can drive against the likes of Ferrari, of BMW, Cadillac, um, Peugeot, Porsche, uh, Lamborghini, uh, I missed one. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Porsches. BMW. BMW, BMW I mentioned. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is this is great. Can we work harder? We can work better. We can work. Uh, we can look what, what we can improve on the details. We look for small small things. Um, we have a homologation of the car for five years, so there are not big changes. Uh, performance is not the main issue to improve if you are at the level where we are. Yes, we haven't won Le Mans so we, last year, so we need to do it this year. And that hurts, doesn't it? I mean, that does hurt. I know you're a pro racing team and you've won Le Mans many times and you've won the championship many times, but I, I could see in your faces last year that that, that, that hurt you guys. Yes, it's, we say it hurt with the way how it went before the race. 
and uh, that's the last thing I want to say about it. So we're going to look ahead, and this year, of course, our first target is to win Le Mans. Yeah, and win the championship again. And win the championship, and in that order. Uh, and uh, this is something where uh, we really uh, are very yeah, committed to and determined to. You, you said you can't make big changes on the car. One of the things is delivery. That has changed, and that yes. is that is in fact part of a, a global plan. We were talking about Pascal moving mm-hmm. uh, to the the top of the tree for Toyota GR. Um, pretty much all, everything you're racing now has got a similar livery. Is I mean that's the bit we'll see. Come on, tell us what have you tweaked? How, what, how many little nips and tucks are there on the car? Well, the colour is black now. It's we say. <laughs> I think that's very important. I think yes, we have done uh, an overall change, and we say Maurizio-san, uh, our master driver, uh, Akio Toyoda, uh, we say has a has a clear vision, and uh, we should uh, we sh- we are going to transfer this. We are we say very happy with the delivery of the car. It looks good. Uh, we have even changed the team gear. Yeah. So this makes us quicker in the pit. <laughs> Makes us lighter, uh, <laughs> nah, makes us more more aggressive. No, nah, I don't know. We, I think we are very determined. We're very happy, and, and, and it's, it's just a situation in where coming here to Qatar has been a bit of a mess to set this up. But uh, yeah, we're happy on uh, starting on Saturday. Yeah. So, how has that affected you guys? I mean, you pretty much had everything here. You could have gone on on Saturday, but there was no scrutineering uh, equipment, and half the cars weren't even here. Does I mean that's just like a race, isn't it? You you just have to replan, recast the spreadsheet. Do you? Yes, I think uh, we are blessed with John Steig as a team manager, who has, uh, with some others, uh, a good uh, view on how it should go better. So everything was here for us in time and in place. But of course, this is not something uh, we would like to see in every race. And uh, from my point of view, it, it disturbs the whole preparation of the week and the whole yes. preparation of. Uh, of, of the teams itself and it's a pity that it happened I think uh, WEC should do a thorough investigation to see that this uh, why, how it happened and yeah I think uh, some teams are flat out yeah. to catch up and yeah. that in a very busy week with very tough uh, say timing and, and conditions which are pretty warm yeah. and hot which is nice on one side but on the other side yeah you're yeah, in a situation where you need to go now for five days six days flat out yes. that's a tough job yeah Tell me about the circuit. You'll have done Sims. Have you tested here as well? We have tested here in November. So, uh, yeah, what do we expect? We expect... Uh, Does it suit the, the GR Auto? Well, let's see. It's... it's yeah, I think it's it's, it's good. It, we say it comes a lot. will come down to tyre management, yes. uh, what I've heard from the engineers. And I think this is something where our car is not the worst one. Okay. <laughs> very, he's very cagey at this time of, of the season um, what if we haven't turned a wheel yet in competition I was just talking to Laura from Cadillac and Corvette about this so it's, it, this is a tough question to answer but what do you think will be your biggest challenges as Toyota Gazoo Racing this year not necessarily another team circumstances um, there's a, there's a talk of a new BOP, sub, uh, it's in the regs, sub 200 and over 200. That's something else that everybody's going to ha- get their heads around, including me, and have to explain that. So is it the comp- competition? Is it uh, eight races? What is it? I think it's everything. It's, it's, it's the competition. It's 
the regulation, unfortunately, mm-hmm. from, from experiences from the past. Uh, so, um, and in other conditions, eight races, we're looking forward to, to have eight races again. So, mm-hmm. uh, one more uh, with this uh, field of, uh, of manufacturers, competitors, it's great to do. So, um, I think it's the whole season and, and we, we're looking forward to it. It's is this challenge. It's what we like to do. Is it, is it the toughest test ever for you guys to, to retain a championship? I think it's the biggest challenge, not the yeah. test, not tough. It's it's a big, the biggest challenge. It's it's we have to step up every year, and everybody has to do with us. So, from that point of view, no, we're looking forward to this, and yeah, this is where we are here. This is what what we would have looked for for ten years ago, but now we have it. And I'm very excited about it. I know you'll take that challenge square on. Thanks for Ooh, talking to yes. us. Yes, <laughs> you're welcome, oh, John. Cheers. Well, here's the newcomer to Toyota Gazoo Racing, Nick DeVries. Uh, welcome to the WEC for 2024. Are you excited? Very excited. Very happy uh, to be uh, yeah, finally starting uh, the season. It's been a, a long way that I've been waiting to, to be on the uh, wet grid with uh, Toyota. I think our first test was at the end of 2019 and was obviously part of the team for, for two years. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great to be finally here in, in such an exciting era of, mm. of WEC. Um, obviously... There are, uh, the competition has uh, has increased massively. A lot of teams, manufacturers, and um, drivers joining. So um, yeah, it's great. We're very uh, very excited. You, you made a good point there. Although you're new to the racing, you've known the team for and been a part of the team for a very long time. Does that help the assimilation, if you will? Does that mean that you actually already feel quite at home uh, within the team? Certainly. It, I mean, a few yeah kind of you know very much part of the team um but of course the racing uh will, will be a little bit new in a way uh, i've been around in WEC and lms but haven't really raced uh, in in the top class yet and also the the competition has uh, increased massively so i think that you know the 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 um, the challenges will be different. It's different than <laughs> racing with, you know, a bronze and having to give you time and True. find different compromises and catching up. Now you, you know, there is no margin for any error. Uh, but um, yeah, it's always where I wanted to be. So um, I'm very, yeah, very excited. Yes, it would have been a somewhat different challenge back in 2019 if you'd stepped into the car then and been racing at the at the front end of the field. It, it, but you guys live for competition. You live for competition. So so does this team. So whilst it might have been slightly less competitive back in 2019, you, you're going to face this head-on, aren't you? Oh, 100%. We, we, we love the competition, and that's what, you know, what, what drives us. We want to beat the best, and uh, it's, it's much more, uh, I would say, satisfying. And, and, and the, um, yeah, the sat- satisfaction is obviously much greater when you have such a competitive grid than, than, yeah, than, than when, when it's not like that. So, um, yeah, we... Um, but we do want to acknowledge and, and, and be aware of the fact that it's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to be challenged harder by our competitors and um, I'll, I'll need a bit of time to uh, get back into it and, and yeah, hopefully we can uh, continue the success that the team has had for, for many years. So in your role with the team before this year, how much driving of the, the cars did you do and, and therefore how much experience of the GRO10 have you got as we 
Uh, well, we still haven't turned a wheel yet. We should have been on the track right now, actually. But um, you're going to be in the prologue, obviously, on Monday and, and Tuesday. And then the first race comes just a couple of days later. So uh, how much experience of the car do you have? Uh, we've been here, actually, in, in uh, at the end of last year uh, for a test and start of the year we've done some some testing and also in my role as a reserve driver uh, from 2020 uh, up to 2022 I've done uh, testing so I've done uh, a good bit of testing not that much with the with the GRO 10 but um, yeah um, at some point we have to get going you know we start racing so uh, the time doesn't stop no indeed and you can't just say oh, excuse me we're not quite ready yet mm. uh, the green flag can you put a bat a day or two um, that's not how racing works it's the beauty of our sport because you're never ready enough you know True. practice True. training learning improving never stops it's a continuous process and um, yeah at some point the, the lights go out first impressions of this circuit um I've, because I've got to call the race, I've been watching lots of footage, I've been lo- watching lots of onboards. Um, I, f- I find it very difficult to find where we are on the circuit. There's not a lot of places to, to use as reference points. What's it like in the car? Have you been able to learn the track relatively easily? It's a difficult track. It's very specific, it's very technical, it's fast. Uh, the curb uses is very requires a lot of precision uh, it's um, hard to overtake um, so yeah like every track has his own characteristics his own challenges and I think um, yeah this certainly has the, has his own Is it going to be a track that will suit Toyota Gazoo racing? Time will tell yeah. <laughs> Right so eight races this year including Le Mans for you in the in the top class um, Yeah where do you think the biggest challenges will be for you personally and what are you looking forward to most? Um, challenges is obviously um, you know, getting, getting back in the groove, um, uh, find kind of the rhythm in, in within, I would say, the racing dynamics because uh, I haven't had that. Um, and then... Everyone loves everyone loves Le Mans. That's the one that you know everyone li- looks forward to and, and lives for, and, and so do we. Uh, I've always enjoyed racing at Le Mans. I had great times there, and um, that's just a very unique and special place. So um, yeah, and you get to do it in the top class in this car, which of course, given the special nature of Le Mans, nobody goes testing at Le Mans. So that will genuinely be something brand new for you. Yeah, it will be. Um, uh, some of us have been there before. Uh, obviously, everyone that was there uh, last year. But um, luckily, I've, I've raced the race, you know, a couple mm, of times, and uh, I've, I've gone through the experience. But um, it will be different being in the top class. Good to have you back in the paddock. Uh, we wish you well. Go well at the weekend. Thank you very much. Enjoy. Nick De Vries from Toyota Gazoo Racing, and I did see uh, Mike Conway disappearing behind me but I think I've lost him for this moment yeah he's nipped upstairs so I'll take a wander I'm conscious that uh, time is against us but I've spotted another victim interviewee sorry sitting in the sunshine none other than James Collado I'll drag up a chair if you don't mind Uh, James um, well here we are on the uh, on the doorstep 
of 2024. Uh, it's been a little stuttery start. How's that affected you and and the team? It's a, it's a little little bit of a spanner in the works in terms of getting things started late. Yes, uh, everything's a little bit unclear, even to my knowledge now. But it looks like just looking up and down the paddock, there's a there's a few more bits of equipment. <laughs> so that's always positive. Um, but yeah, uh, we're, we're here uh, finally to start the, the new season uh, and I'm looking forward to it. That's the biggest thing. I'm looking forward to getting out on track uh, with all these new manufacturers and the amount of cars that we've got now in the, in the top class. I think uh, we're going to put on what's going to be a great show yeah. for, for, for the fans and things and uh, I'm just looking forward to it. You should have been coming to the end of the prologue now. We haven't even started yet. I think we're on about the fourth iteration of, of how many sessions there are and when yeah. they are and which ones you do. We'll leave that for the people who give the orders out to, to work out. A um, couple of changes for you, and, p- and particularly for, for you and your car. You've, you've changed your, your engineer. The, the voice on the radio is going to be different this year. Tell me a little bit about that and how that might affect you. We have, and we have again. Every year we seem to have a, a new engineer. Um, what are you doing? Are you wearing them out? I'm what is it? Sure. Well, it could be us being really n- not great to work with, but uh, I've been assured it's not the case. But uh, no, we've uh, our old engineer, Justin, who was great, uh, obviously got us that Le Mans win. Uh, he, he's moved on to, to another team, Cadillac, I think, in, uh, in IMSA, which is fair enough. He's, he's an American guy, so uh, he's probably closer to home there. Uh, but yeah, we've got a new engineer, uh, younger than me. Sounds really strange, but he's younger than me, and uh, he's very, very keen uh, and passionate about Ferrari. Um, and he's just had a baby as well, so he's made it here in time. And uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to working with him. We've we've only done a few days testing and, and things like that, but uh, it seems to be you know already. Uh, at a very high level. We always talk about the relationship that drivers have to have in endurance and it seems to me that as I look back over quite a few years of watching this sport that the teams that have done well consistently have had three drivers who's got gotten along well but the engineer is an integral part of that as well and having to start again in such a big season um, is you know how, how quickly does that have to gel? Yeah I mean um, it's, it's part of the game. You've, you've got a, every single person in the team, uh, not just at the track, but back at home on the sim, uh, you know, and uh, uh, even the, the road car guys. Just everyone that's working with the brand. I think you've got to you've got to show some respect to uh, have a good relationship with. Uh, of course, drivers are very, very important. Engineers are very important, but the whole team, yes. uh, including your teammates. Uh, in the other car it's really important uh, and I found that over the last 10 years to be something crucial going forward because at the end of the day you want all these guys on your side yeah. to give you the best possible chance of winning and do you sort of develop um, a shorthand in terms of your your conversations with people because obviously we hear some of it on the radio and, and by the way some of your exchanges last year were very entertaining I hope we get get that again but of course the work's going on after track sessions and, and potentially after races as well and and that side of things you've, you've got to have a an understanding haven't you? Absolutely and what let's say the viewers don't see is that side of what we do yeah. they see us drive the car on a track but they don't see what goes on and after every session and before every session and after every single race we sit down and we debrief yeah. and 
we try and simplify it because there's a lot of drivers now, especially there's nine of us, but we, we put our three bullet points where we think we need to improve and what we need to do. And we make it as simple as we can, but at the same time, it's effective. Uh, and that's how we improve the car. So we improve the team. That's interesting you've said that because obviously you have the big changes. There, There is an extra Ferrari on the grid. Now, it runs as a private team, so it's in the Cup rather than in the, the World Championship. But nevertheless, they're gathering data as well. So you are working together with, with all nine of you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so far from my experience, I've not actually, I've only ever been with them once on track. But it seems that we share all the briefings together. We, we do everything together because at the end of the day, it's an advantage for Ferrari, isn't it? We get all the data. Uh, we've got three good drivers. Uh, you've got, um, especially Robert uh, Kubica in, in there. He's very experienced, very, very clever from what I already understand, know, know of the way he works. So it's an advantage to us. Um, the more data we get, the, the, you know, the better it's going to be. Uh, we can try different things. Yeah. So... Uh, Another another uh, another string to the bow, as they say. Let's focus in a little bit on here at Qatar. Um, nobody's raced here before. Have you guys done testing here? Yes, we did a test last year uh, before Christmas uh, with a few other guys here as well. So it was just to get to grips with the track. Uh, literally? Yeah, literally. It's very different to other tracks. Um, very, very different. In what respect, James? It's, it's, it's um, very high speed for a start especially the last sector, very flowing. The tarmac's a lot different to other tracks, so it has an effect on um, the way the tyres work. So having an understanding on what we do with tyres is, is absolutely key. Um, and I think it's going to be a difficult track to overtake on right? Okay. Um, because of these high-speed corners. So I, I was just saying earlier, position could be, uh, could be key. So track position race, we think. Yeah. Okay. Um, does I mean I'll, I'll say it, does does it suit the four ninety nine p? Do you think it from what you've seen? And I, I I accept the fact that you've been testing and there's a difference between testing and competition. In theory, yes, because uh, I mean the one you can compare it to is Le Mans, where you've got high speed corners like Porsche curves, last sector, mm. very high speed, very flowing. That's where we were very strong. Here in the last sector, it's not quite as quick, but it's similar kind of style. So from my experience, the higher speed track the higher speed corners the better we are so in theory it, it could be a good one for us given then what you've said about track position that places an even I mean I know it's a long race at the weekend it's going to be 10 hours uh, it'll run to the 10 hours um, but even in a 6 hour race track position is always important but it's going to put a premium on that and of course we've got hyperpole for every single event this year does that change the mindset a little bit does that again just tweak it up a bit um, I mean for us as drivers it, it's, it's the same quality is quality uh, the same guy is going to do the quality so uh, the, the hyperpole just hyperpole just puts on a bit more of a show I mean uh, you get a free set of tyres from what I was yeah. told uh, and it means you can go out and um, you know improve on what was maybe the lap that you did in the first one and it just puts the cars and puts the show onto the limit and you get to see these cars perform at their highest possible uh you know time uh, and it, it's it just puts on a show but for us as drivers it's the same and uh, it's a hell of a bit of pressure though isn't it if you given what you've said particularly about here yeah. getting onto the front row getting yeah. on you know locking yeah. out the front row maybe controlling the start of the race absolutely but uh, at the same time you, uh, 
you don't do anything different, do you, as a driver? You, <laughs> no, you don't set out there to qualify fifth, you know, do you? you? You go out and you try and qualify first, and uh, that's always the approach. So where you qualify is where you qualify, but you could um, put in that little bit of extra effort, uh, the cars closer towards the, you know, the, the tolerances, the margins that we're given uh, mm-hmm. for rules, all these little things just to try and maximise you know, the position. And it's not so much because it's here but it's also because there's now 19 cars here 19 element uh, prototypes here uh, so it's going to be more difficult to get that track position what are from your point of view as an individual driver what are you looking forward to this this year um, slightly extended calendar we're going back to a couple of places we haven't been for a little while a couple of places that the ferrari hasn't been um changes from from last year uh, Le Mans in the middle of the season. Yeah. Uh, you're defending champions at Le Mans. That's a nice thing to say as well, isn't it? So, you know, what have you sort of seen on the calendar when you saw the the dates come out? What have you thought? Ah, oh, that'll be that'll be cool. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I love WEC, and that's why I've been here for ten years now. Yeah. Uh, I find the championship really nice. The atmosphere within all the people is superb. Uh, I love the racing. So, first of all, I love to race. I, I enjoy racing. And then when you look at the calendar, it's an improvement on last year. Uh, we've got two of my favourite places which have been added which are Brazil and Austin yeah. two of my favourite tracks uh, so in terms of the calendar it's, uh, it's very very positive for me uh, I love travelling around and the more races the, for me the better um, but yeah I'm just happy to be here I feel very lucky to be here especially with Ferrari and uh, just, just to enjoy it I mean uh, winning's everything of course and uh, it's the best thing you can do, but if, if you lose, you lose. I, I'm still enjoying the racing. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty um, in terms of driving the car, interacting with the team. We've talked a little bit about that already. Um, clearly, last year, you had to learn a lot. Uh, all the cars are very, very new. Are you now at the stage where the learning phase has ended and the optimising performance phase has well and truly started? I hope so. <laughs> uh, I mean, we look... They are very complicated cars, we should yeah, say that. First of all, they're very complicated. And as drivers, uh, the more laps we were doing, the better we were with an understanding of what we needed to do on the steering wheel to make the car work properly. That, the engineers, the fact that the team know one another more easier. Uh, we got all of our weak points, our strong points, we put them all together. And it's absolutely factual that for sure we're, we, we've learned a lot and we should in theory be better this year in terms of preparation uh, at the end of the day though um, it's the numbers that really count the most in terms of performance and uh, whatever those numbers are are, um, are what we're dealing with uh, and where we can be it's a it's a results based business isn't it there's no exactly. doubt no doubt about that are we at a stage now do you still talk to engineers about bump and rebound and tyre pressures and roll bar settings or is it all software and interaction and 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 no we've still got the mechanical side of things so absolutely if i feel like i need softer stiffer springs roll bars all these sort of things we discuss it you can do it corner by corner uh, front and rear roll bars you can change your brakes so uh, you discuss it with your engineer and you put a base in a direction where you want to go but at the same time during a stint the car can be completely different from start to beginning yeah so that's a huge understanding, uh, something that we've also learned from last year. Um, so that's putting the onus on you even more in yeah. in the cockpit, because you're not just driving the car, you're working with the engineer, poss- possibly even corner to corner, yeah. 
to change the balance of the car and, and how it rotates and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Every corner, uh, most laps, we, we're given information mostly from our performance engineer of where he thinks we should be in terms of uh, car balance, tyre deck, help, help the tyre deck, uh, all these things which we can change. Um, and the sort of tools you're using there, you're talking about roll bar, you're talking about brake balance, but presumably bar, you're talking yeah, about uh, regen and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, well. everything. Everything. And that, that it, it goes to show how complex these cars are. There's so much you can do. It's like you found the time to drive it, to be honest. Well, I try and reduce it as much as I can, and sometimes it can be too much. Yeah. Sometimes you can put too much concentration on all these things and actually forget that you need to drive the car quickly. I mean, uh, it, it's fine tuning, it's balancing both. Uh, you know, I like to sometimes adapt to what I've, what I've got instead of make a change to, and, you know, vice versa. So, uh, well, you've got to leave, presumably, you've got to leave. You guys are clocked at a different rate in terms of how your brains work. I know that, I've been in this game long enough. But you've still got to leave some mental capacity to actually race. The driving the car comes naturally to you. You're not thinking where and when you're going to change up. You're not thinking about turning the wheel and your clipping point. That comes naturally to you. But you've got to be assessing what's going on around you as well and where the strengths and weaknesses of your competitors are. Yeah, and, you know, it's easy to lose your call a bit. You know, like you say, on the radio and things, you can lose your call, but then you've got to realise, you know... You lose your call, but then you've probably still got five hours or eight hours in front of you, and that losing just one second from, let's say, a mistake or you get stuck behind a GT, uh, you've just got to kind of shrug your shoulders and go, yeah, uh, that's just the way it is. It's the same for everyone. Uh, and you'll find that um, you know, the experienced guys will benefit from that, and you'll always find that the single-seater guys that have coming up and uh, into sports cars will have the opposite uh, you know, attitude. So uh, it, was, it was like that for me. Um, was that the hardest thing to adapt to when you came out of single seaters yeah, and, yeah, and, 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 and into the endurance the attitude because you, you're brought up t- to destroy your teammate in uh, single seaters <laughs> and that's the only way that you move on forward that's yeah, the that's yeah. the reality uh, and especially when you're young you've kind of maybe got a little bit of a, an ego uh, um, do you think racing drivers have an ego well, shock but yeah to realize that is something that you need to to be you need to realise that if you're wrong, you're wrong, and if you're right, you're right, and some yeah. people don't. And it's, that's what I'm saying is when you're young and you come from single-seaters, you're more likely to blame something else and stuff like that. But I learned. I mean, I, I've been through this, like I said, it's my 10th year, mm. and um, the key to endurance isn't just one lap time, no. which, which anyone can pretty much do or be within one or two tenths. It's, it really is about the fastest one hour stint you can do stint averages are what is what you guys always talk about that's what we're looking at from the for strategy programs and there is a fine line in fairness you know we we do have a pop at you drivers yeah. once in a while but there is a fine line between confidence and arrogance and you've yeah. got to balance that haven't you yeah exactly and uh, particularly in this part of the sport when there's three of you in the car yeah yeah and, and that's the thing you, you you don't want your team around you or your teammates to see that maybe you know you don't want to seem smug and uh, and and you're like you're the king because in reality you're absolutely not. It's the it's the team yeah. around you. It's the dri- the three drivers in the car that need to be strong. And it's my job if one of the others is a little bit slower. It's my job to say, look, here's, here's what I'm doing. Here's the data. Here's the gear I'm in. Yeah. Try that. Yeah. Maybe it won't yeah. work for him. But at the same, I've given him the information. Yeah. Single seaters, you don't do that. You, I know, that would be like putting your hand over your homework, yeah, wouldn't yeah, it? You, you almost hide your laptop like you, you're in school and you're, you're hiding someone copying you. So. Um. Right, thank you very much indeed.
for talking to us. Uh, go well. Thank you. Um, enjoy everything. I know you will. It's great to see you here again for another year. James Collado, uh, finishing up our chat from the paddock here uh, in Qatar. I- I'm not going to go too far. I know James has got a, a meeting to go to um, because there's always great coffee here. And thanks to Luca for organising uh, all of uh, this for us today. And a reminder that, of course, that essential hyperpole that James was just talking about there will have that covered for you. Free practice three qualifying hyperpole and the whole race the voice of the WEC is Johnny Palmer for us and I'll be joining him from here in Qatar for FP3 practice uh, FP3 practice and uh, qualifying and I'll be chipping in with him and Bruce during the race as well a quick reminder race is Saturday check radio-show.co.uk for all of the times on the bottom of the page but from the prologue you see it's funny should have been checkered flag for the prologue now. It hasn't even started. But we've brought you some of the atmosphere, I hope, here in this programme. Stay with us right throughout the season for the only global free-to-air live coverage of the FIA World Endurance Championship on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.